Alberta's electricity grid, our, our system, it's, it's certainly been the talk uh, of the province over the last uh, week or 10 days. Oh, even longer, I think you could argue. But certainly, you know, last week, and we had those uh, grid alerts, four of them, as uh, we came precariously close to rolling blackouts in the midst, uh, midst of uh, a pretty nasty polar vortex. Uh, so why were we uh, that close to not being able to meet the demand? And what about the bigger questions? I mean, do we have the right design for our system? Uh, as we move forward and population grows and there's more electrification, that's going to mean more demand. And then, of course, you know, there's some expectations from the federal government, at least as it stands now, as to what the grid looks like uh, after 2035 and the path toward net zero. Uh, so that, that encompasses a lot of issues. But, you know, the idea of uh, electricity storage, battery storage... That could go a long way in addressing all of this, right? Because there are times, even in the midst of those grid alerts, you know, we were still able to to pivot from not having enough to having an abundance. Uh, that, you know, not long after we were importing power from other jurisdictions, uh, once we got into late night hours, we were exporting power because we had an abundance of it. What if we could have stored that, you know, saved it for the next day or saved it for the next emergency, it's all well and good in theory, because that could help deal with all of these problems. But is that the reality? You know, battery storage technology exists, but uh, beyond maybe short-term storage, uh, are we at the point where we can store energy for longer? What's the cost of doing that? Is, is it worth it? So the technology is evolving on this front, uh, as, as you would imagine. But uh, maybe it's something Alberta needs to focus a little bit more on. There was a piece yesterday up at the Hub. .ca, uh, why and how Alberta can supercharge its energy storage. Joining us for more, Robert Trombley joins us, professional engineer and policy manager with Energy Storage Canada. Robert, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so you were watching all of this uh, unfold, uh, I imagine, as, as everybody else was last week. What, what did you make uh, of the grid alerts and the, uh, the situation that unfolded last week? Yeah, so certainly it was it was very dramatic. Um, you know, we had a few uh, level three grid alerts in the course of the weekend, um, but you know we were able to get through it. Fortunately, with uh, no need for rolling blackouts um, or rolling brownouts, which is what uh, level three indicates. Um, but yeah, you know, especially on Saturday night, storage was there and being utilized to meet demand. Saturday night um, was the closest that we came. Um, so, you know, even on days like Saturday, you know, storage works by, you know, charging when there's less demand and moving that energy somewhere where it's useful, like discharging when there's higher demand. And, you know, even days where there's really high demand, there's still, you know, midday, it's quite a bit lower than at peak time. So being able to shape that peak with storage um, really helped us get through Saturday night, um, you know, in addition to, of course, the emergency alert and having a lot of Albertans turn down some of their load when we needed it as well. All right. So, and and to to you know elaborate on the point, we do have some storage capacity in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got about 190 megawatts, so it's still relatively nascent. Um, you know, as I mentioned in the Hub article, a lot of this is due to kind of the way our uh, market and our framework for electricity is set up in Alberta is a little bit hostile to how storage is. Um, you know, not intentionally, but just you know the system wasn't built for um, when technologies like storage were a little more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have 190 megawatts, but there's about 3,000 megawatts of standalone storage proposed in Alberta. And then there's more than that that's proposed kind of in a, we call it a hybrid configuration. So solar plus storage, wind plus storage, gas plus storage, et cetera. So directly connected to a generator. So Okay. So yeah, help us understand this. So when we talk about storage, what, 
what does that involve? How are we storing energy? Absolutely. So, you know, I think that probably the easiest form of storage you can conceive of is just a battery. So um, most uh, storage installations utilizing batteries are using lithium batteries. So very similar to what's in our laptops or phones, you know, increasingly our EVs. And they'll charge up again when there's kind of extra energy or more plentiful energy. So that can be, you know, the wind and uh, wind is uh, blowing and the sun is shining. Um, but it can also just be, you know, off peak times. So during during the middle of the night. Um, an interesting fact is, you know, a lot of the world's existing storage um, is was built in the 70s and 80s. It's uh, pumped hydro, which is another form, and it was built uh, in conjunction with a lot of nuclear plants that were built in that same time period. And nuclear is not very good at ramping up and down to meet demand. So these mm-hmm. pumped hydro facilities were added so that you could take some of that extra nuclear energy that would be available overnight and move that to the next day's peak. Now, in Alberta, we have like a deregulated system, right? So it's it's independent mm-hmm. private producers that supply the energy. But who takes on the, the role of, of energy storage? How does that factor in? Yeah, so just like generation, energy storage is just, you know, it's a market-based investment. So folks think that they can have a, a profitable go of it um, doing um, you know, either different services or playing in the energy market, which is okay. you know, just buying and selling energy for consumers to use. So all, notably, all the storage that's deployed in Alberta right now is not really playing in the energy market. It's providing um, what's called ancillary services. So these are sort of reliability services that the ISO needs to run the grid in a reliable way. So the storage that's installed right now is, plan- is using... Um, is providing a service called operating reserves. So it'll charge up and then it'll kind of sit there ready for when the ISO needs it for situations like Saturday night, but could also just be a more kind of uh, time-bound situation, like maybe the intertie trips off, then storage can come in and fill that up while the intertie gets restored, or a large generator trips off, then you need something to come on very fast. And what batteries are really good at is um, being very quick in how they can respond to things. Um, in the past, these services have been more um, served by either hydro generators or um, specific kinds of gas installations. How long can it sit there? How long can we hold that that uh, capacity for? Yeah, it's a good question. So it differs by technology, but my understanding is with um, batteries, it, could, it can hold it for a pretty long time. But usually, I think it would, typically would be held for maybe you know a few a few weeks or a couple days. Um, it really depends on kind of what the grid conditions are like. So over the, with that weekend where it was very difficult, these batteries were charging up and discharging every day. Mm-hmm. But typically it wouldn't be that often because, um, you know, the grid conditions aren't usually that stressed. And as I said, you know, with since storage is really only providing these auxiliary services, they're only discharging at the direction of the ISO, um, as opposed to in other jurisdictions like Texas. Um, energy storage is a little more freed up to be able to kind of buy low and sell high on energy prices. So... When there's low demand, um, usually that comes with a low energy price and a storage uh, asset will charge up. And then when there's high demand, there'll be a higher price. So then that's the price signal for the storage asset to discharge. I mean, could we get to the point where it could be stored much longer? I mean, you think of a situation where we got all that sunshine this summer. If we could carry some of that over into the winter months, that solar power as an example, like, could it get to that point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, as I mentioned, uh, kind of batteries are sort of the the main show right now and what they're really good at is you know turning on and off very fast they're very flexible um but they are a little bit limited in kind of how long they can um store energy economically so you know four hours is kind of thought to be the economic limit for a while but we're starting to see batteries step into longer durations like you know eight hours 12 hours but you know at some point there probably is 
more of a fundamental limit on how long it's economic to build some of these battery um, some of these batteries. So there's other technologies that are you know, definitely ready to kind of fill in those gaps. So pumped hydro is you know definitely a, a well understood system, and it's it's just kind of like a reversible hydro dam. So once you get the water up in that uh, upper reservoir, it just sits there. There is some loss due to evaporation, but it can stay there pretty much indefinitely. Compressed air is another technology where it can it can again just sit there with the air compressed um, flow batteries. Um, probably a little too nuanced to get into in this segment, but there are different kind of batteries that can also store for um, you know very long durations and for for the long term as well. So there's definitely lots of options, and um, we do see other jurisdictions like South Australia, California, or even um, in Canada, Ontario, starting to look into some of these options as well. So what could Alberta do then to to move this along? Mm-hmm. So there's a few different things. So kind of as I mentioned, you know, I think some of the legacy sort of structures of our system is, it inhibits sorts of play a more mainstream role in Alberta. So one of the main ones that we've been engaging on for a while is the way that our uh, electricity rates apply to storage. Um, so these are uh, the charges that are applied to uh, consumers and generators that help pay for the system costs, you know, our wires, um, the ISO itself, um, the ancillary services and reliability services we need. So currently storage is categorized as both a generator and a load. So it pays you know, when it's charging and it pays when it's discharging. And this doesn't really represent, um, in our opinion, what, what storage is doing on the grid. You know, the reason that these assets are charged is because, you know, a load is bringing on new demand onto the system, new consumption. So the way that it was thought of at the time it was conceived is that, you know, loads should be charged because they're leading to system growth. But with storage, it's not you know, new consumption, you know, it charges up and then it discharges it later. So it's not, it's not adding to the system costs of the grid. Um, but because it's being charged as if it is, it makes it relatively prohibitive to do a lot of things with that energy because it's very expensive to get that energy in the first place. Um, so right now, like I said, that kind of limits storage to providing um, ancillary services and relatively niche applications. But if we can kind of get this worked to, you know, more accurately reflect the costs that storage is causing on the grid, or um, in my opinion, the lack of costs that storage is adding onto the grid, um, then that opens up uh, different ways that storage can um, can operate in Alberta. So again, kind of providing energy arbitrage, like I was talking about with the Texas example. So being able to buy and sell energy and optimize the system um, or other kinds of ancillary services as well that are uh, a bit out of reach uh, economically right now. Right. So, um, that, so that means, thing, sorry, no, yeah, yeah go ahead, finish. Go ahead. Thing. Well, I was just going to say, oh, I sure. mean, that, that comes with a cost then, right, to, to the province. Um, no, I would say it, it doesn't because right now a lot of projects just aren't getting built. So there's oh, okay. kind of a calculation around um, net revenue. So these projects still would be paying into the system. Okay. Um, so that, you know, but if these projects aren't coming all at all, then they can't, they can't pay into the system at all. But um, if they're coming in and they're paying something that is reflective of the costs, then that's new additional revenue to the system. Well, um, yeah, two ahead. other things mm-hmm. I can mention, if, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, thanks. Um, so another thing is um, there's a bill that was passed um, in 2022 called uh, Bill 22, or the Modernizing um, uh, Alberta's Electricity System Act. So this was passed in 22, but it hasn't been implemented yet. And this kind of speaks to the issue um, I was describing with the rates. So it identifies storage as a unique resource, it's, you know, it's not a load, it's not a generator, it's uh, something different. And that, I think, you know, well, it's, it's a little bit high level, I think helpfully is the groundwork for some of the reforms that are needed, you know, with the rates or um, now I'll just kind of quickly touch on our market structure because that's 
definitely been um, identified as a somewhat something that needs to be reformed by our, our current government as well. So, you know, another difficulty, and this doesn't just even speak to storage, just speaks, to, I think, to firm capacity generally. You know, the way our system's um, set up now um, with our energy-only market, it doesn't value firm capacity very highly. Um, it's not that an energy market, energy-only market can't, but there's a price ceiling um, of $999 per megawatt hour. And that, that cap has remained, you know, since when the system was conceived in the 2000s. So, you know, inflation has been kind of eating away at that price cap for a while, and that's reduced the value that we place on firm capacity in our system. You know, other market structures also have different ways of compensating firm capacity. And, you know, firm capacity will include a lot of different things, so, you know, gas, storage, energize, um, even nuclear. Um, so, you know, different market structures can compensate for that differently, like the capacity markets that um, a previous market was looking to bring in. But, you know, I think the message here is just regardless of market structure, we need to be paying attention to, you know, the needs of what a firm generator um, needs for compensation, and that will help bring in more assets like storage, but, you know, other firm resources as well. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, much more is mentioned in your piece. It's up at thehub.ca and uh, more at energystoragecanada.org. Robert, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it.